this week we are continuing our series called Selfless. Um, this week, a uh, message is called Grateful in the Grind. Um, last week we talked about being bold in witness, um, but, but this week we're going to be talking about being grateful in the grind, and I'm going to break that down for us a little bit because that's kind of a weird phrase. But, but here's what I've realized is in much of my life, I have lived under the illusion that there was something better around the corner. Anybody else ever approached life this way? You know that something better is around the corner, and so you seek after all of these things, right? That, that something around the corner is going to make a difference in my life, right? Well, pastor, if I just win the lottery, I'm going to give it all to the church, right? Or if, if, if I just had a different spouse, then my marriage would be better, Right? Or if I had different friends, then maybe I wouldn't act the way that I'm doing right now. Right? If I didn't have all this other stuff going on, right? If I, if my boss wasn't a jerk, I'd be good at my job, right? Or if, 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 whatever it is. Many times in life, we make excuses looking for the next best thing. Right? We keep looking for that greener grass, right? And how many of you guys have always, you've heard that saying, right? The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Here's the thing with green grass. If you want green grass, it means that somebody has to take care of it, right? You go searching for green grass. Well, when you find that green grass, it's something else that somebody else is taking care of. Maybe if you just take care of your grass, you'd have green grass too, right? But but we keep seeking the next best thing in our life, right? Maybe that next job that's going to bring fulfillment to us. We're going to feel like we're doing what we're supposed to do instead of this boring job that we're doing where we just go and we want to slam our head in the desk every day, right? Anybody ever been there? Maybe you're there right now, right? Uh, for, for me, uh, th- this whole ministry thing started out um, a long time ago. I started in ministry at 18 years old in a small church in West Columbia, First Baptist, and, and I was a youth pastor there. And, and man, I was going, man, if I could just get to a, a bigger church where I could be full-time and make money doing this thing called ministry, right? And, and I sought after that next thing, and I went to college, and I was like, man, once I graduate college, then life can begin, and, and I'll be able to get a job that makes lots and lots of money, and I'll never have to worry about anything. Boy, was I wrong, right? Um, man, when, 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 when it comes to family, right, we, we start looking for that next best thing, right? If I can just find a wife. Right, and, and, and you know what? I found a wife, and I, I found Tina, and, and, and man, we got married. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for marriage, right? And, and I, man, if, if, man, if we can just have kids, right, we'll be fulfilled in that. And, and then once you have kids, you're like, why did I pray for that? No, I'm joking. You didn't do that. Um, but, but once you've got kids and, and you are, you're seeking that, and then you're going, man, if we can just get our kids out of diapers, life's going to be great, right? And if you finally got your third kid out of diapers, you're going, yes, thank you, Jesus. I have now gotten a raise. Um, and, and then after that, now you're going, man, if I can just get them out of high school and get them out of my house and kick them out, I mean, send them out into the world, right? And, and then it's going, well, if I can just get them through college and, 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 and maybe I can just get them out on their own and then they come back and you're like, no, I sent you, go away. But, but here's what happens is many times in our life we spend years chasing and wishing that the season we're in, the season we're in would end, right? We, 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 we wish away our current season 
and we're dreaming for what's next. Right? Parents in here that already have kids that have gone and and have graduated high school, you remember what it was like when they were little. And maybe you find yourselves where we are today going, man, I can't wait till we're out of this phase. Right? But here's what I've realized is this phase is all we've got right now. And if I'm waiting to build those relationships with my kids until they're adults, it's too late. If I'm waiting for my kids to become godly once they become teenagers or adults, it's too late. You see, the problem is many times we wait for that next season. And we pray things like, God, get me out of this. And and we pray, God, I need your help. I'm ready for this season to be over. But see, that's the great thing about seasons. Is seasons always come to an end in their own time, right? And unless you're in Texas, and then we keep having winter until May, um, and then we go to summer, and then back to winter. It's it can't make its mind up. But but seasons come to an end. But how many of you this winter were wishing for summer? Right? You're going. It is too dadgum cold in here. It needs to be warm. Right, And then here's what happens is you same people that were wishing for summer this coming August or September when it's 110 degrees, you're going, God, why can't we have winter again? Right, We're never satisfied with the season we're in. We're always dreaming about what's next. One day I'll be happy. One day I'll be successful. Right, Just around the corner, there will be something that will make my life better, an achievement. Right, an accomplishment, a, a friendship, a, a possession. Maybe that vacation will make things better, you know, in the mountains or at the beach, whatever it is. But around the corner is simply another challenge, another goal, another dream, and another perceived prize. You see, because even though you reach those things, then you start looking for the next best thing. You get the dream job you've always had, and about six months to a year later, you're looking for another one, hoping that it'll somehow bring satisfaction. You get that new dream car, and all of a sudden, after a year or two, something else flashy has caught your eye. You get that new Harley Davidson, wind in your hair, well, for some of you. Um, and, and, and you're loving life until the next year's model comes out. And all of a sudden, you want that one instead of the one you had. Why? Because it's always about that next biggest, baddest, greatest, shiniest thing in life. We never become fulfilled. Right? We, we keep seeking after what I want. We keep seeking after what I enjoy, right? I'm going to get mine. I'm going to work hard so I can get all this stuff. I'm going to work hard so that I can have that nice house. I'm going to work hard so that I can have the nice car that doesn't break down, right? I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. I'm going to fulfill my dreams. Can I tell you the problem with America is we've told kids that they can be anything they want to be and they can fulfill any dream they've got. Can I tell you that's a false pretense because I don't believe it's about fulfilling our dreams. It's about fulfilling his But we tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. And can I tell you, I understand that. 
Right? We do want them to be successful. But can I tell you, that's not something we tell our kids. We don't tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. Because can I tell you, I don't want my kids to be in jail. I don't want my kids to be addicted to junk they shouldn't be addicted to. I don't want my kids to be in rehab centers for the rest of their life. So, no, my kids can't be anything they want to be. But you know what? They can be whatever God calls them to be. You see, we've set this generation up for failure. But you see... Culture tells us to take care of ourselves, doesn't it? It says to gratify ourselves. If you want it, buy it. If you like it, get it, whatever it costs. If you don't like your current spouse, go get a new one. Leave the other one behind, right? It talks about gratifying yourself. It talks about indulging yourself. If you see something, just treat yourself, right? There's treat yourself days. And can I tell you, the problem is that Jesus never said, to treat yourself. He said that if you want to follow me, then you've got to deny yourself. But you see, we live in a day and age where we don't deny ourselves very much, do we? If you've got young kids, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Kids always want. Have you ever noticed the list of kids wants never goes away? And you know what? Parents, I'm going to help you with a really valuable word, and it's only two letters, it's going to help you out so much. You ready for it? No. Look, the teenagers are going, Mom, that's not from God. Don't listen to him. Right? I'm going to call you out on the second row. Right? But, but no. Why? Because our kids need to understand that they can't always have what they want. Because in life, we always can't get what we want. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow me. Today, I want to talk to you um, for a minute. Kind of the basis for my message today is 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says this, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. What did it say? Do it for the glory of God. See, my win is doing what I do for the glory of God. You guys know that I, I teach at the high school here, and, and can I tell you, sometimes teaching at the high school is really hard, right? And if, you've, if you're in high school, then you know what I'm talking about, because some of your peers are just terrible, terrible people, and they make really bad decisions, and sometimes it's really hard to show the love of Christ in all the situations, Right? But you want to know why I continue to do what I do? Because just last week, we got to baptize one of my high school kids who got saved because they got plugged into the church because of a relationship they had with their teacher. Can I tell you, I do that every day. And can I tell you, there are some days I don't feel like going to work. Anybody else can, can understand that? There are some days it would be way easier to stay in bed. But you want to know why I do it? Because I knew that I'm doing it for God. But you see, what I'm also learning is that the prize isn't something that's out there, right? The reward isn't something that I'm seeking. Listen, the prize isn't what you accomplish occasionally. The prize is what you do daily for the glory of God, right? We seek after all these prizes, but it's not in something that occurs occasionally. It is in what you do on a daily basis, so today, I'm going to ask you a question. They all begin with what if. What if, what if, what if. 
Anybody ever played the what if game? You ever notice that most of the time when you play the what if game, it doesn't go well? Well, what if I had made a different choice? What if I had done this? What if I had done this? But today I want to phrase it from a different stance. It's this. Three questions. What if the work is the reward? What if the work is the reward? Second thing, what if the prize is in the process? And the third thing, what if you can be grateful in the grind? What if the work is a reward? What if the prize is in the process? What if you can be grateful in the grind? 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10 says this, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. By the way, this is Paul speaking. And then he said this, he said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Did you hear that? He said, but. Can I tell you, I love the buts in Scripture because it usually is followed by something great. Here it said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace is sufficient for me. But this is my story. By the grace of God, I am what I am because His grace was not without effect on me. Right? For many of you, that's your story. You weren't good. You weren't faithful. You weren't righteous. But by the grace of God, you are now what you are. Not because you're good, but because He was good. And now you're becoming who he wants you to be because his grace for you was not without effect. You changed because of his grace and his grace had an effect on you. But you see, the sad thing is for many of us in here today, his grace has been without effect because it hasn't yet touched your heart and it hasn't quite yet changed who you are. But you're in the right place in the right time to, to be available to God's work and maybe your story will become, but by the grace of God, I am what I am because His grace to me was not without effect. Paul goes on to say in, in verse 10, he says, No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What did he say? He said, I am not enough. He says, I'm not enough, but his grace was. And what did it say? It said that he worked harder than all of them. And can I tell you in this moment, I don't believe that Paul was bragging or being, being, being proud or boastful. He was just telling it like it is. See, some of us don't like people that tell it like it is because we think they're jerks or we think that they're crass. But, but how many of you guys know sometimes in situations you just need somebody to tell you like it is? Right? And we don't always appreciate it, though, do we? Because we say things like, well, he wasn't very loving. I didn't like his tone when he said that to me. Right? But, but, but it said that, that I worked harder than everyone else. That was God's grace working in him. Not Paul by himself working hard, but Paul working hard with the grace of God. I tell you, I love these seven words here, and they've had a great impact on my life. I worked harder than all of them. 
Listen, I love this verse because it's not Paul bragging. It's not. Right? He's just telling it like it is. And can I tell you, sometimes we just need somebody in our lives to tell it like it is. I'm not saying that you do it with malice or with, with, with bad intent. But sometimes we just need to look at somebody and go, you know what, you're acting like an idiot. Right? And I need you to stop. Because you're acting like an idiot, you're looking really bad on Jesus and what he's done in your life. I need you to stop. Right? Even this last week, we, uh, we, we're working with my son playing, playing a machine pitch. And, and we were out there on Wednesday night before church and trying to get him. He's scared of the ball. And so we're throwing it a bunch and he's crying and I'm not happy. And I'm like, just get in there. Don't be scared. Open your eyes. Quit. And I, you know, I didn't, but, but can I tell you one of our members in here, Brenda at the baseball game Thursday night was going, Hey, pastor, you were being kind of mean to Josiah Wednesday night. And you know what my first response was? No, I wasn't. <laughs> right? But then I went, you know what? My son doesn't respond to that. And I said, you know what? I said I was. But I stopped doing it that way, and I did another way. That was a conversation we had. And, and can I tell you, in that moment, I needed someone to just be real with me and go, hey, Pastor, you were kind of being a jerk. I need you to stop. Right? Why? Because the little things matter. The small details matter in life. And can I tell you, I don't want my kid to hate me because of how I pushed him in sports. Can I tell you, I love my dad and my dad loved me, but can I tell you, my dad pushed me harder than he probably should have. And my dad and I have talked about this. I'm not telling you anything we haven't talked about. And can I tell you, there became a while that I hated sports because of how much pressure my dad put on me. And you know what? Even though I felt that, Watching my youngest son, Jonathan, play t-ball. If you've ever watched t-ball, you know the most two important positions in t-ball is pitcher and first base. you got to have somebody that can field the ball and throw it to first base, and you got to have somebody that can catch. And, and this last week, our first game, they put Jonathan at pitcher, right? And can I tell you, I felt pressure for him that he didn't feel himself. Because here's, I know t-ball parents. Why they put that kid on there? He can't catch or throw. He made 15 errors in the game. And can I tell you, I love Jesus, but I don't know that I'm saved enough to not just be like, hey, stop, that's my kid, I'll beat you up, right? Um, I, I wouldn't say that to him, but, but how many of you guys know, like, he wasn't feeling that pressure. He was just out there having fun. And you know what I realized? Because I started... Yelling, not yelling at my kid, encourage him. Hey, get your glove down on the ground. Throw it hard. Make good throws. You're doing awesome. Had somebody else there. You, you know, last week I told you guys there were no professional scouts at the t-ball games. You remember that? And somebody else that was sitting over here on that front row goes, hey, pastor, remember, it's not that big of a deal. You're right. And I needed somebody to tell me like it was so that I could get me in check. Why? Because the grace of God is still in work in my life and I haven't arrived. And you know what? I'd be willing to bet in your life there are still things that you need the grace of God to be all over that it hasn't been yet. But it says that I worked harder than all of them. Can I tell you, I can't imagine the depth of sacrifices that are contained in that seven words for Paul. 
right? He, he was, matter of fact, he wasn't complaining, right? Sometimes we do that, well, well, I did the best job and you're just complaining about it. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't bragging. He was just stating the truth. And can I tell you, I, if I could go back and have this conversation with Paul, I would love to, right? I imagine us sitting by the fire just, just talking and, and Paul's drinking wine and, and I'm drinking water because I don't drink. Um, but, but, you know, talking about it and, and, and said, Paul, break this down for me. What do you mean by, by you worked harder than everybody else? And I imagine Paul saying things like, while they were sleeping, I was praying and strategizing daily. While they were still sleeping, I was getting up early, getting in God's word, getting on my knees and, and going before God for the things that we were doing, right? When, when most idolized comfort, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. Once I was even bitten by a poisonous snake and I just shook it off. I didn't like that, but I just did it, right? When, when others took a shortcut, I did it the right way. I worked hard and I, and I did the hard work that no one else was willing to do. I memorized God's word. I, I hid it in my heart. And, and let's be honest, if he wasn't being humble, he could say, and I wrote a bunch of the New Testament as well. When he went to prison, he didn't just give up. He worked while he was in prison. And, and he wrote letters. He, he could have gone, you know what? I'm in jail. Poor, pitiful me. And he did nothing. But he said, you know what? Let's write to this church in Philippi that needs a word from God. Let me see if I can encourage them. And he continued to work. And you know what he even did? He went to cities where there were no Christians and he started churches. There wasn't very many people that were willing to do that. Right? Some of us in here aren't even willing to start a life group with other Christians. And he worked. Here's what I realized is that Paul wasn't wishing his current season away. He didn't wallow in it. He made the most of what it was. When he was in prison, he didn't say, well, when I get out, I'm going to have a great ministry and do what God has called me to. He didn't do that. He, when he was shipwrecked, when a lot of people could have walked away from God, he didn't, he didn't walk away from God. He didn't forget who God was, right? When, when him and Barnabas got at odds with each other, right? He didn't have time to be bitter and to get mad and leave. Right? He, he, he didn't get up and go, well, I'm not going to that Sunday school anymore because so-and-so was mean to me and they didn't like what I said. He didn't care. He had too much going on to care and get offended and leave. What did he do? He kept going. He had a disagreement with Barnabas. He could have left the church, but he kept going. Listen, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whether it's changing diapers, making sales calls, doing laundry, right? Doing errands for the boss. Maybe it's teaching kids. Maybe it's, it's working wherever it is. Maybe it's, it's putting bread on the shelves. Whatever it is that you're doing, 
Do it for the glory of God. Do it with integrity. Do it with a pureness of heart and decide to do it for Jesus. Can I tell you, at the high school, I've got a great boss. And I don't just say that because she's sitting in the room. But can I tell you, I do what I do because of Jesus. The reason I'm a great teacher is because I'm not working for Miss Sunday. I'm working for Jesus. Why? Because I see the higher calling in what I'm doing. And some of us need to take that approach with our jobs. Listen, some of us in here have mundane jobs. And you're just waiting for that time clock to hit five so you can punch out and go home. What would happen if you approached it with you're doing that work for Jesus? Right? When, when you work this way, maybe one day you'll wake up and you'll realize that the work is the reward. Right? That the prize is in the process. And truly that you're grateful for the grind. Why do we call it a grind? Because sometimes it's a grind to get up and do what we're doing every day, right? Sometimes it's hard to get up and go, right? Sometimes it's hard to put on dress clothes and go to work. Sometimes it's hard to go to work and we know that it's going to be 110 degrees outside and we're doing a roof. Sometimes it's hard, but it's learning to be grateful in the grind, learning to be grateful for the thing that God is doing you, doing in you and through you because His grace is enough for you, because you are doing it for Jesus. Listen, I believe that there are three enemies of, of true reward. And the first one is the pillow. Three enemies of the reward. The first one is the, the pillow. It's the seduction of comfort. Right? The pillow is the seduction of comfort. Right? This is what you need to be happy. Right? It's that bigger house with maybe the walk-in closet. Maybe it's, it's that bigger house with, with a dishwasher that's not your spouse. It's, maybe it's all steel appliances or brand new cabinets. Maybe it's one that's got an extra bedroom or a three-car garage to put all your toys, whatever it is. It's that better house. You fill in the blank. It's that better house with whatever. Maybe it's that car. Maybe, maybe you want that, that new car, that car with, can I tell you when, when I was in, in college, I wanted a car that the windows would go down like this instead of like this. And I love that comfort of this. Well, if I was driving, it would have been on this side. Some of you guys were looking at me going, what kind of weird, you got a European car pastor? What's going on? And I love the, the comfort of pushing a button and it going down. And you know what I really liked? I loved when I didn't have to push the button the whole time. I could hold it for one second and then let go and it goes. And now they got heaters for your butt and AC in the seats. Right? I want that next car that maybe doesn't break down on the way to Waco. Whatever it is, you fill in the blanks for it. Maybe it's that vacation to the beach, staying in that beach house. Or maybe it's up to the mountains so you can go skiing. Or maybe it's that cruise to Europe, like a 29-day cruise, whatever it is. Like Some of you guys are going, I don't want to cruise for 29 days. I would do it. Um, but, but whatever it is, whatever it is, maybe it's enough money to take life easy. Make enough money to retire one day. Listen, God never called us to easy. He called us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. He never promised us the easy way out. 
Here's what I know is that easy never changed the world. Easy never changed the world. Second thing is the shiny thing, right? That's the allure of constant distractions. This is what's important to you. Ding. Ooh, let me see who just texted me. Ding, ding, ding. Let me see what they put on Facebook so I can see what's going on in their life so that I can be jealous of how great things are, right? Because how many of you guys know we only put the positive things on Facebook, not the negatives, right? Some of us are trying to live our lives up to the expectation of other people's fantasy life. Because can I tell you, if I only posted the positive things in my life, can I tell you on Facebook, it'll look like I've got the greatest life ever. And some of us are trying to achieve that life, and they don't even live that life. Right, and maybe it's Netflix. Anybody else here love to binge watch Netflix? Like you're sitting there just watching it, then all of a sudden it pops up. This, this next recommendation is 99% recommended that you're gonna love this. So you know what? I'm just gonna sit here and watch it. It doesn't matter that it's got 10 seasons and each episode is like an hour long. I'm just gonna watch them all, right? Some of you guys are laughing, but you've been there. Uh, or, or YouTube, man, you watch one video on YouTube. Anybody ever gone to YouTube to watch a video and you watch one video and before you know it, like an hour later, you're like, how am I still watching videos of cats? Or maybe you're overscheduled and you've got your kid in that uh, elite baseball league and you're getting him one-on-one training and you're doing all this. Never mind the fact that he's three years old. He's going to get a D1 scholarship starting tomorrow. Right, and, and, and maybe here's what's happening. You're comparing, you're looking for that greener grass, that greener grass, but the greener grass never comes. You're distracted by the things that are important to you or perceived importance. The third thing there is the towel. It's the perpetual temptation to quit. It's the reason they call Mondays Mondays. Anybody ever had a case of the Mondays? What happens on Monday? You get to your job and you're back to the grind and you're ready to quit. You had a weekend off. You realize how nice it was not to have that job and have those responsibilities. And you get to Monday and you're back there with everything as it's always been. And you're like, man, I want to quit. And can I tell you, pastors aren't exempt from this. Right? Most pastors think about quitting on Monday every week. Right? Not because they don't love what they do, but because sometimes pastoring's hard. Right? And, and your job is hard, and it's the reason that you want to quit. Right? You, 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 you think about your marriage, and maybe things aren't going as you had always hoped. Ladies, maybe your marriage isn't the ideal marriage that you had always dreamed about since you were like six months old. It's not what you had always planned for. Or, or maybe it's, you know, and so you're just like, you know what, I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't deal with you anymore. I need you to go away. Right? Or, or maybe it's your finances, right? And, and, and you're, you're getting your finances together, and it, and it seems like no matter how hard you keep trying, it seems like something else keeps happening, and you can never get free. You can never get out of it. Or, or maybe it's even Christianity. I've known people that have walked away from Christianity because God didn't do this, or God didn't do that, or somebody offended me. Somebody didn't say hi to me at church. Somebody walked by, and they smelled like barbecue, so I know that they were eating beef before they came to church. Like, people get offended over stupid junk right and 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 it wasn't even that they were praying over you 
Like I can understand if somebody's smelling a beef and cheese while they're trying to pray over you. You're like, man, use a breath mint. But like we get offended over easy things. Why? Because we're easily offended. And so what do we want to do? We want to throw in the towel, quit. Right? They didn't appreciate me. I'm not making that much of a difference. This is just too hard. It's too difficult. So I'm done. Well, heaven forbid we do something because it's hard. Listen, you can throw in the towel or you can use it to wipe the sweat off your brow and get back in the game and get back to whatever grind you find yourself in. Listen, when you do that, I believe that you figure out that work is the reward. That the prize is in the process. And then you learn to be grateful in the grind. Right? Man, I, I, anybody, anybody getting ready to graduate? There's a few of you guys in here. Can I tell you, I hate graduation speeches. You want to know why? Because they all say the same thing, right? Follow your passion. Do whatever you want. Follow your passion. It's going to be great. Here's the problem is your passion's not always going to pay the bills, right? Your passion's not always going to keep the lights on. Listen, selfish passion is about us. But I believe that God is calling us to selfless purpose. Listen, once you recognize that you are serving God's purpose, it changes how you serve. It changes how you live your life. What happens? You become more passionate. I believe that passion always follows purpose. Passion always follows purpose. Think about Paul, right? But before he met Jesus, he had to be passionate about something, right? Uh, maybe, maybe it was music. Maybe Paul was, was playing guitar and, and he was recording with a selfie camera and putting it on YouTube. He was going to be the next Justin Bieber or maybe the first Justin Bieber, right? And maybe he was into art and, and painting and making things with his hands. Maybe, I believe maybe if Paul was here now, maybe he'd be into motorcycles or cars, but he had passions before he ever met Jesus. But can I tell you what he wasn't passionate about? Getting beaten. When, when Paul was in the middle of getting beaten, I don't believe his going, hey, thanks for beating me. I think that's what I wanted this morning. Right? Or I guarantee you he wasn't passionate about being shipwrecked. I don't think Paul woke up in the morning and was like, hey, God, if it's cool with you, why don't you just let us hit something and let a storm come and capsize the boat and break it up, and I just got to cling to a plank for like five days. I don't think he was very passionate about that. But what happened is instead of pursuing selfish passion, he began to follow God's purpose in his life. And then he penned these words in, in Act 20, 24. It said, however, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What does purpose do? Purpose helps me feel passionate about ordinary things. Right? Something mundane. Right? All of a sudden, when I become passionate about it, something ordinary takes on meaning. Maybe you're selling steel buildings, and it's boring, and you're making calls, and you're not very passionate about it, but... What if you realize that you're doing it for God? 
Can I tell you, I believe some of us in here have, have, have felt the prize. Remember uh, that right there this week in the church, right? Maybe this morning you made coffee or you, you filled up a, a Keurig back there. Maybe you prayed over a two-year-old in the nursery or an eight-year-old in kids' church. Maybe you, you led a group of junior high girls into a life group or, or maybe you, you opened your home to people that needed connection. You see, this week you got your prize because you were in the middle of it. Listen, when it comes to purpose, Paul gave us some profound images. He said, I I don't run like someone running aimlessly. Right? I'm, I'm boxing. I'm not shadow boxing. If you guys have ever seen kids, sometimes kids run with no purpose. Right? And, and I've seen kids on a baseball field take off running and I don't know where they're going. Right? They're just, la, 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 look at me. By the way, have any of you guys seen that YouTube video of the kid that's running in slow-mo? He was not running with a purpose. He was being funny. But, but he wasn't running with a purpose. He said, I run with a purpose in every step. He said that in Corinthians. He said, every single step I take, I do it with purpose, and I'm running for a reason. Can I tell you, that's the reason I don't run miles, because I can't find a reason to run them. Maybe you can, but that's not what God's called me to. Listen, whatever you do, whatever, whether it seems really big or whether it seems really small and significant, you need to do it for God. And you say, God, I'm choosing to find purpose. I do this job for your glory. Listen, I'm not running aimlessly. I'm running with a purpose every step. This step has purpose. This step has purpose. And we keep going. I'm directed by your spirit. I'm directed by your work. Right? I'm loving people everywhere I go. When I walk into a room, the spirit of God walks in with me. I'm a climate changer. I'm a people lover. I lift the moods of people. When I come into a dark room, my light comes in and illuminates the entire thing. There is no place that I won't go without a purpose. I go with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's the same spirit that's dwelling inside of me. And so I walk with purpose. I'm here as an ambassador of God. I don't do anything half-heartedly. Whatever I do, I do it for the one that changed my life, and that's Jesus. You see, if you, you knew me before, you would say you aren't good enough. But you see, it's because of the grace of God I am what I am. And because of what he's done in me, you need to know about it. Right, I work hard, but it's not me doing the work. It's the grace of God in me that's getting it done. Because the grace of God had an effect on me. So so listen, maybe for you, it's driving the kids all around town. Right, you're doing it for the glory of God. Maybe you're, you're in college and you're working harder. You're getting ready to prepare to go to college. Maybe it's fighting for your marriage like crazy. You're doing it for the glory of God. Maybe it's crying with the spouse who can't conceive. Maybe it's caring for aging parents. Whatever it is, you're doing it for the glory of God. Listen, you've been called to do so much more. 
you feel that, but you feel like you're stuck doing a job you don't love. Maybe you've had a huge crushing disappointment in your life. Maybe it's a diagnosis from the doctor in battling cancer. Maybe it's paying debt so that you can give more freely. I don't know what it is for you, but how would your life change if you began to do it for the glory of God? Would it be different? Listen, the prize isn't when you get the promotion. The prize isn't when you get the new car. The prize isn't when you're able to go on vacation. The prize isn't whenever you get discovered or you make big bucks. Listen, the prize is now in whatever you do. And you say, life is not about me. I deny myself daily because I'm a follower of Christ. You see, when, when I deny myself, I become, like we talked about last week, bold in the Spirit. And I, and I speak boldly because I believe deeply. And I move to share my faith. And I move to share what God is doing in me. And all of a sudden, I become grateful in the grind. And I realize that I'm doing it for God anyway. So if I'm doing it for God, I might as well have a great attitude about it. Listen, work is the reward. Right? It's a joy to serve you. Right? It's a joy to serve others. And, and the prize is in the process. Right? You're with me. Right? God's Spirit is with me and He's guiding me and He's strengthening me. And it's being grateful in the grind, finding joy in all things, rejoicing in all things. You are working, God is working for good for all of us because we love Him and we're called according to His purpose. And we begin to say, whatever I do, I'll do it for your glory and for what you've done. Whatever it is that you do, begin to do it for God because it makes a difference. Let's pray. God, we thank you that today we can be grateful for the grind. God, in the midst of the ordinary and the mundane, God, in the repetitious, God, we realize that we can do it, God, according to you. God, that we can work as if we're working for you. But God, help us, God, because we don't always see it that way. So God, help us change our mindset. God, help us change the way that we're viewing things, God, so that we can truly view it as we're working for you. Listen, maybe, maybe you in here, you've spent time in your life, you've been praying and wishing the season away, and you've failed to embrace the goodness of God in the moment. And today you'd say, Pastor, I want to do everything that I do for the glory of God. I'm tired of just going through the motions, but I really want to focus and do things as if I'm doing them for God. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I see your hands there. They're in the back over here. God, I thank you for men and women and young people, God, that have raised their hands, God, and said that they want to do things for you. God, I pray that even in the moments where they don't want to, God, even in the moments where they don't feel like it, God, that you would help them walk it out. God, that you would help them be passionate because they realize that they have been called according to your purpose. God, even in the midst of life, God, when things aren't going well, God, help us see you in all things. God, help us look for the opportunities, God, to be used by you. 
Maybe for some of you in here, life has always been about you, right? You, you've come to realize that Jesus was selfless and that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us on the cross. And then on the third day, he was raised from the grave so that when anyone calls upon his name, they would be saved. And maybe today you realize that you've been living for yourself. And today you want to follow Jesus. And you want to make that declaration that it's not about me, it's about him. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now where you are? I see your hand there. I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Anyone else today would declare that I'm done doing it for me and I'm going to do it for God. God, we thank you for those who've raised their hands this morning. God, that have said they've lived this life for themselves. So God, today, they put their trust in you. God, and they declare from this point forward, God, that they're going to do it according to your ways. They're going to do it according to your purposes. God, that they're going to find their purpose in you. God, in the midst of where they are, God, at their jobs, at their workplace, in their homes, in their community, God, that they would find your purpose. God, and that they would begin to work as if doing it to you. Lord, we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.